Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Thursday as we talk the world of sports. Trent Condon, today it will be, of course, no Ken. He is off for the week. Be back with us next Friday. But after going solo yesterday, I needed help. I went to my man who you hear on the airwaves during high school basketball season. From Handel University and Beyond Ball, he is John Lamb joining us here today. John, thanks for stopping in. How are you doing? Couldn't you have gotten someone better? <laughs> well, we got to see what we could do today. In fact, there's nobody better, I think, with what's happening in sports and really the sports that pertain most to us here in the college level. We've talked so much, really, over the last couple of months about NIL, the changing landscape of college athletics in your space and your your real job, your full-time job. You are working with young kids, getting them ready to move on to the next level of basketball and improving their skills basketball-wise. And you are uh, understanding what is happening inside the world that is very foreign to a lot of us. The NIL world, pay-for-play, the inducements that are happening and what these collectives have turned into. So I think there's nobody better here today to... You can take us inside basketball, if you will, and really see what's happening inside all this changing landscape of college athletics. So happy to have you, and we got plenty to talk about on that front. Happy to be here. I, I can give you basketball and White Claw information. That's <laughs> probably all I'm good for. Well, it's a little early for White Claw. I mean, it is 10 a.m. Yeah, but it's, what, 7, 7 o'clock in Sylvania? That's right. Thinking we're going to talk about Luca, aren't we? We're, we're going to talk about Luca. How about that last night? So let's kick things off here. And uh, coming up today, just a couple of guests on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. We'll talk to Dick Girardi as he joins us during the Triple Count races. A longtime horse racing columnist. And we'll get his thoughts on the Preakness. Of course, the big news there will not be a Triple Count winner as uh, the decision came down. The Kentucky Derby winner not to race him. In this race, we'll talk a little bit about that. Get some thoughts on the nine horse field coming up and hopefully win a little money as Ella, my daughter, did back in the Kentucky Derby because she had Rich Strike. She nailed it. She had the long shot. Her $2 bet paid her $163. She still hasn't spent the money though yet. It's all your wife genetics. That's right. Period. Didn't come for me. You see my sports betting. It does not <laughs> go very well. The, the Derby was not profitable for me. It certainly was for my daughter. We'll get into that at 10.50 with Dick Girardi. Then in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll really get deep into the NBA. Kyle Irving from the Sporting News, he's going to drop in. Kyle's been our guest here during these NBA playoffs. We've talked with him a bunch and really got a good perspective from him. Uh, that'll be at about 11.25. So last night... I'm out calling high school baseball. Got to see the opening of Waukee Northwest, their new baseball field. Just an incredible complex out there. I know you've been out there, obviously, for high school basketball. And no surprise, the baseball softball field's immaculate as well. They didn't go turf. They went with real grass. And, boy, it is beautiful. Jeremy Heinen, the head coach, 
formerly of Urbandale, made the move over to Waukee Northwest. He's got a real good team, a lot of good arms, and they swung the bats yesterday as they won game one, 10 nothing, and then game two, 11 1 over Valley. So a good start for Waukee Northwest. But as I was, I was excited because, all right, I get home probably in time for end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. Right as I hop in my car, I open up my app and see it's a 20 point blowout. Not a whole lot to get into, so you're going to have to help me out here. Obviously, watch the highlights, watch a little bit of that third-quarter run and fast-forward on the DVR last night when I got home. But the way the Warriors did that, was it was it a tired Mavs team, kind of like we saw the night before with the Celtics, maybe some heavy legs in the second half after that epic series against the Bucks? Is, is that what you saw from Dallas, or was it just a bad night from Luka? I mean, truthfully, the Suns are very, very good. Yeah, as I reflect on the the box scores, they had four people, four people, the very very bottom of their bench. They're the only ones that had a positive plus minus. They're tired, man. They're doing a really really good job, um, you know, closing out that series, coming back. Uh, you know, Luca had a cool cool comment of, you know, everyone's tough when they're up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I have no doubt that he'll he'll recover and he'll be ready to go. But it was a very misleading basketball game last night. So Dallas Falls one twelve eighty seven, And we've been kind of waiting for this Warriors team to have it all click again. We saw that huge blowout in Game 5 against Memphis, kind of left scratching your head what's happening with this team. They've had plenty of clunkers, but to go out in that fashion, and not a night where it was just one star. It wasn't you know the games that we saw out of Steph where he goes off and scores 35, or you got Clay Thompson hitting eight threes. It wasn't a game like that. It was a complete team effort. Wiggins was maybe as good as he's been. Wiggins, yeah. I thought, was really strong in this game. You wondered how he was going to work out. Poole, off the bench, he was great. Porter was hitting shots. Just overall, this Warrior squad, we know them. We know this team, what they are. Are they the favorite in your mind now? Are they the favorite to come out and win the NBA title? I'm still pulling for the Jazz. I know they're really, <laughs> really behind the it's, curve it's right not now. Happening. No, no. Yeah, they had seven players in double digits. You know, my right hand guy at, at my work, he always says, everybody's got to share the ball. Everybody's got to get points. Everybody's got to do their job. And you look at the box score, everybody did their job. Mm-hmm. You said Wiggins, you know, he has a plus 28. He was very, very, very good. It makes it, it it makes the Warriors almost unbeatable when they have seven players in double digit, double digits. So you go through and you look at these squads and you look at what changes coming up in game two. You certainly, if you're Dallas, you're looking to get a split, right? You, you try to find a way. If you can get a split, you feel like you got a chance in this series. Go down 2-0, that means you got to win four out of five in order to come back and win this series. So what what kind of adjustments would you make? If you're Dallas, if you get the ear of the coaching staff there, Jay Kidd says, John, I need your help. I need some help here. What are you game planning? What are you changing going into game two? Truthfully, they didn't take very good shots. I look at their three-point percentage. It's 22%. They're 11 for 48. That's They're settling. That's weak. That's mm-hmm. bad basketball. This is playoff basketball. Where's Bill Lambeer when you need him? <laughs> Go knock somebody in the face. Go get the job done, get to the hoop, draw some fouls, put a little pressure on the defense. I don't think they did that at all. So let's take a look at the highlights from last night as the Warriors coast in. It was a big third quarter out of Golden State. Endo running with a fake. Stripped in there by Curry. Puts on the brakes and puts up a three. 
Doncic took it in, stripped to the ball, the galloping green ahead. Thompson, his first basket tonight. They trap him here, throws it blindly, and gets it back for a triple. Oh, he hit it again! 112-87, the final. Golden State takes a 1-0 lead in the series over Dallas. So, it's not just NBA during this time, John. It's also NHL playoffs. You a hockey guy because the guy I work with day in and day out, he's a Canadian. He would love to talk even mm-hmm. more hockey. He knows it's tough to do, though, certainly in this market. Hockey do anything for you? They have great hair. They're <laughs> they tough do. as nails. And I love how they give up you know, their entire high school career to chase their dreams. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 15, 16 years old, traveling the world. You know, really putting their best foot forward to to do everything they plan to do. I, I think a lot of young people have a difficult time with those type of sacrifices. Last night, had an opportunity to get home. It was ugly. The Flames were dominating the Oilers. I said, all right, I got to blow, blow out in the did, NBA. I did you get home? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I made good. it right home. Right I'm home, always yeah. worried about you, Trent. I'm always good. Always got home. I was home by like 9.45 last night. It was a good one. I made it before uh, I had to stop off and do anything. So I thought I was going to watch. Well, all right. The NBA's a blowout. Hockey's turning into a blowout. But the Oilers came roaring back. They were down four. They get it to 6-6. And then it was all flames. 9-6 the final. One of the highest scoring NHL games in playoff history as Calgary takes a one nothing lead. The other one. Didn't see this one, but it was a game winner in overtime. Carolina, a one nothing lead over the Rangers. Under by Smith, blocked out in front by Troub. Has been on a long time. They score! Ian Cole, the veteran defenseman, just threw it at the net, and it got by Shesterkin. Carolina wins game one in overtime, 2-1. to one. We go back to Game 2's tonight, Florida against Tampa Bay. Tampa got the road victory in Game 1 there. That'll be at 6 o'clock. Then at 8.30, the Blues, who had an opportunity in Game 1, didn't get it done as they lost in overtime. Colorado up one nothing in that series. 8.30 tonight is where you can catch that one. Finally, in our highlight package from last night or yesterday, well, my Twins got a victory. Happy about that. The White Sox took an L as they pick up a game in the standings. But it was the Brew Crew and a guy that I've always been incredibly intrigued with, Keston Hira. He came up as a rookie a couple of years ago. Big-time power, showed a lot of pop in the bat, and I thought this guy, he had star written all over him. It's been a disaster since then. He really struggled a season ago during spring training. They had three dedicated coaches working with Keston Hira just to try to figure out what was gone wrong with the youngster. Suddenly, he was hitting the ball well in spring training. Everything was looked good. And then the regular season began, and he was brutal again. Got sent down to the farm. He is brought back up. And he was big yesterday as the Brewers walk it off. One ball, two strikes on Hero. And a swing and a drive in the center field. Kasten Hero has walked him off. How about that? Two-run blast. And the Brewers win. With that, the Cubs fall yesterday 3-2 to Pittsburgh. Not a great day across the Midwest. Uh, mentioned the White Sox falling, though, to the Royals. Cardinals also got knocked off by the Mets yesterday in Major League Baseball. A lot of day baseball today. 11.35 it all begin with the Yankees and the Orioles. Cardinals in action this afternoon at 12.10. Also get the White Sox and the Royals at 1.10 on the Midwest baseball scene. You a baseball guy at all, Lamb? I know you used to play back in the day. I like it. I do. I can't watch it. I 
Too slow for you? I have zero time, man. Yeah. You know, getting these guys recruited, doing what I do uh, professionally, it's it's almost impossible. Plus, uh, Albert Pujols isn't playing anymore. Yeah, sure he is. He's back with the Cardinals. He pitched, he, really? he pitched on Sunday night. What is happening yeah. to our world right now? He got two hits yesterday. He is up to 10th on the all-time hit list. Yeah, Pujols still out there doing his thing, and he's back home with the Cardinals. I mean, if you could give these guys some steroids, bring it back <laughs> to the good days, I'll watch it. I'm going to leave that one to you, TC. All right. Good stuff there. All right, John. Well, one of the main reasons I obviously wanted to have you in is what we talked about at the top and and trying to get down to what's happening inside the world of college athletics. It was ignited once again yesterday. Nick Saban had some very pointed comments to his old assistant, Jimbo Fisher, talking about the amount of money that was paid, talking about paying players. And that's what this has turned into. And I know it's very easy to roll your eyes when you hear somebody like Nick Saban who, for all intents and purposes, he's ruined college football, at least on a national scale for me. And I think a lot of people. Because he has taken a dynasty and built it at a place where there are only, realistically, three or four teams that can win a national championship in any given year. Three or four. That's it. That can win it in any given season. You look now, over the last 15 years, since he made his way back to the college game, the behemoth, obviously, that he's built at Alabama with the six national championships. Mm-hmm. LSU's had a national championship in there. Ohio State, Clemson. You know those programs are going to be there, and, of course, Georgia a year ago. But in any given year, it's not about getting to a playoff. Notre Dame's made a playoff, and we've seen teams make a playoff. Cincinnati last year made a playoff. But when you're talking about winning the ultimate prize, it has become the difference between five or six elite programs and everybody else. And that's a problem, I think, for college football. I think college football, it's not the fault of Nick Saban, but it's the reality of what has happened here. With Nick Saban building what he has done, you don't feel like you have a chance to win the playoff. You can go back. When I was a youngster, 1990, Colorado and Georgia Tech, they tied for the national championship. Can you imagine Georgia Tech winning a national championship? 1984, BYU won a national championship. That doesn't happen anymore. That can't happen anymore. And one of the reasons, and one of the main reasons, is what Nick Saban has done getting all the elite-level recruits and building the program that he has, the difference between them and everybody else and that gap between those top five or six programs and everybody else is so significant. In a way, Nick Saban's ruined college football. I'm going to let you die on that hill. I will. But you're not wrong. X's and O's, when you're talking that level, will never, ever amount to what Jimmy and Joe's can do. Mm -hmm. He gets the absolute best players in the country. You know, they're, they're three deep at every single position. I think about the young man from Cedar Falls who went Ross there. Ross yeah. Just an unbelievable offensive lineman. He had a hard time cracking in there, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I will say, from a sport perspective, you could be right. But he creates such a competitive atmosphere all these kids graduate. Mm-hmm. They stay four years. Saban does do it right. This is not. I love it. It's not the shadiness that you think of, where it's just paying players. That's that's not what this is. That's not how he built this. At least at the level that some people think. This is not my. This is not the you of the 1990s and into the <laughs> early 2000s. He's doing it the real way. The kids. You're right. They do go to class. They do put in the work. It's yeah. Football is number one. There's no doubt about that. Football is the reason that they're at Alabama. But the other things are important, too. And that's why I listen when Nick Saban speaks. Can I roll my eyes at times at some of the things that he says? Absolutely. I, I do that a lot. But 
and I'm not going to cry that they finished second in recruiting last year behind mm-hmm. Texas A&M because A&M paid $30 million allegedly 26. For, their, for their recruiting class. Allegedly. I'm not, not going to be all <laughs> flippant about that. Well, you know how high gas prices are now. It's all oil money down That's there. all it is. Well, that's Texas A&M. They got plenty of that. So this goes a little bit deeper, though. And it goes into what has been created now over the last 10 months in college sports with these collectives. So, of course, the idea initially of NIL, it's Patrick McCaffrey going and doing a goofy Felbo Brothers pizza commercial and dancing around and getting a check for ten grand, Or it's mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark working with Hy-Vee and doing the cooking show that she had and, and get some extra money. Those are the things that, on the surface, we all thought they should have got, and it makes sense. But these collectives have changed the game. And the way that I see it, it has turned into pay-for-play. It has turned into inducements. Before you even played a snap in football, before you shot a basket on the hardwood, before any of that, it is, here's money, come play for us. And that was never what NIL was intended for. No, you're absolutely right. Pay to play is is the best word right now. And, you know, the truth is we think about, you know, Spencer Rattler's Raising Cane's. I did not see him in a Raising Cane's commercial. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had two trucks. I did not see him in a Chevy commercial Mm -hmm. or a Ford commercial. It, It is very misleading, this NIL deal. And unfortunately... You know, you either get with it or, or or you get left behind. And I'm all about you know adaptation and 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 growing and understanding the current times. But the truth is, you're right, DC. It is pay to play. So how do we change this? How do we get this back? The NCAA, instead of putting guardrails up, basically just opened up the floodgates last summer and said, "Have at it." And because of that, that's how these collectives were formed, and we see what it has turned into. The NCAA does not have much power. They do not have the power to – well, they don't have subpoena power. You don't have to tell the truth to the NCAA, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can lie through your teeth. It's not like you're going to jail unless the FBI is involved, and we saw that in college basketball. But outside of that, there's no teeth. There's nothing that they can really stand on. Not only that, but during the pandemic, they lost 75% of their enforcement staff. And they're trying to work those people back, but they don't have the same kind of manpower here. So when you have all these well, things... they it, spent $300 million on legal fees, Trent. They, yeah. they are making some cuts everywhere. Making cuts. you got to find a way to pay those legal fees. And well, <laughs> that means Joe that works down there in the department that they're going after colleges. Sorry, we don't need you anymore. How do you put the genie back in the bottle? How do you get back, though, to at least some kind of level playing service when you see Nigel Pack, a good player? But getting that kind of money, $800,000 before he's ever and played car. for Miami. And a car. He's got it. Don't forget the car. The $400,000 a year wasn't enough. Got to make sure you got those wheels to get down to South Beach. How do you get back? Is there any way, or are we just too far removed already? Are we too far up this road where it's realistic to get back some kind of level playing surface for college programs? Oh, this this is a this is a very difficult question because I immediately go to, you know, some young men like the McCaffrey brothers. Mm-hmm. That's nil. Yes, you know they spend time on their podcast. They are at restaurants. They are bringing guests in. They're building their long term brand. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I get the hustle. I'm all for it. Trust me, I'm a grinder too. I'm an entrepreneur as well. But. We as a as a as a fan base have to accept 
it'll never be the same. And I think that's okay. I, I don't think anyone... What? We didn't get no cheddar? What are you talking about, well, TC? I think that's a very small minority. It's a vocal minority, but yeah. there's a minority. I, hey, I'm still, I'm still paying on my student loans. I am too. I'm 42, and I'm still paying on those student loans. And people looking at, hey, they already get a scholarship, and they already get training table, and they get academic services, and they get all these things, and that's all well and good. But, John, you know this incredibly well. We think about that, and certainly I think the conversations that I have, well, it's a bunch of people that grew up like me, right? It's mostly white people, came from middle class, upper middle class backgrounds, and because of that, it wasn't a big deal. And you know that's not the case. And for a lot of these college athletes and the athletes that you work with in the college basketball space, it's not as easy as, hey, I'm a couple hundred bucks short on my rent this month. Call mom and dad. They're going to help me out. Those kind of situations aren't there for a lot of these college athletes. So your reality, and I think most people that make that argument's reality, is completely different than a lot of these people. Yeah, and I think it's it's an internal thing with some of these athletes. I, I truly do. I mean, I came from a single mom. I, I played Division One basketball. You know, I got all the Pell Grants. I, I got the, the needy student clothing allowance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I technically was making right around like $13,000 a year through those already very structured, okay, definitely not pay to play because I, I mean, I can't guard anybody. I couldn't <laughs> guard my lunch, you know, my lunch money, seriously. But the truth is, the NCAA started correctly. I think they've had such a fall from grace that it's done. And, and, and my real concern is walking into that locker room and, and you know, you're not in Israel, you're not in Germany, you're not in Slovenia because it's Luca time right now. You, you have a hard time looking a teammate in the eye that you show up every day with and and compete against and know oh that cat's making 400k that's that's bs man mm-hmm. how do you really create a culture of winning when you're looking across the locker room without a european translator like they do in the professional leagues over there right. and know that dude's making more than me but that punk's sitting out cuz he's got a sprained ankle his hammy hurts that is just very problematic for the future of these young men in terms of working with people, building a team, unity, things like that, which transcends way past their four years, or I guess seven if you're Jason Bohannon. <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, or yeah, Jordan. Sorry, Jason's my age. He was way better than, than oh, Jordan. Yeah, that's a whole shots different fired. Story. Shots fired. Over I'm here next week too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a whole different deal when you, when you talk in that regard. So when we come back, I want to uh, go a little bit deeper. I want to go inside a conversation now with a college coach. I also want to talk about these collectives. Some people I I know that you have talked to that have had these conversations Mm -hmm. before they've ever played college basketball, the conversation of what this collective can do for you and how we figure out exactly how this is going. So we're going to go a little bit deeper with you. Can can we not call it a collective because – I do believe some schools are way behind the curve Mm -hmm. and they are grouping it in with that vernacular and I do not think it's correct. The collective for Miami and Texas A&M is different than the Iowa State collective. It's not a collective when you have billionaires bankrolling that stuff. And not using it for guys that are already on campus and ladies that are already on campus, but using it 
to get people to campus. It's back to what we said. It's pay for play. And there's a big difference there between the two. We'll get into that. Coming up here, John Lamb joining me today on Miller and Connor. But right now, opportunity for you to win $1,000. It's time for our $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000 in this nationwide contest. The key word for the 10 o'clock hour is pay. Pay at KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000. We'll come back deeper in the NIL. What are these conversations like with the college athletes or the high school athletes even before Mm. we get into college. We'll talk about that with John Lamb as we continue. A little Preakness conversation also at the end of the hour. We'll get back into the NBA. We got a busy show here on a Thursday. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Memorial Day weekend. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Black leather glove, no seat. Rolling through a Thursday, it's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. You can tell by the music. Ken is out. Got a little Drake bumping in here. I see John Lamb, who's hanging out with me today. He's nodding his head along. Did I get a good one here? I'm sorry, man. I was looking at pimple popping videos oh, on no. Snapchat. Oh, you, that, that gets you going, huh? Dude, I just love that. It's weird. I I'm know. the same way. I have one of those. Super weird. Fall down that path. You're on Instagram oh Reels. Gosh. You get on TikTok. I had to delete TikTok, though. Did I tell you this? Uh... I, you didn't, but I'm very disappointed that you even had one to begin with. It was about 48 hours that I had it. And there was one night, flipped on, went through, scrolled through, thought I was on there for 10 minutes. Are you it, and your wife okay? Yeah, we're, we're all good. We're good, sure? all good. Okay. No, no problems there. She, checking, she was well asleep. You know, she gets up at... She gets up and goes to the gym at 4.30. Yeah, she, I'm staying up a, late. She's a real worker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. She gets things done. And so I'm on TikTok. I think it was like eh, 10 minutes I'm scrolling through. It was like 45 minutes I was on that stupid thing. Just what a time suck that thing is. It's for the you working with you know high school kids, young people. You got to see this too. Those just entranced by those TikToks and you're just on there and on there and you, it never stops. You're watching Pipple Popple videos, videos for an hour. That would literally make my day. I wish I had an hour to do this. I got to sneak every few minutes to get it in. But I mean, truthfully, we go back to NIL. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much money involved yeah. in that stuff. I mean, I brought uh, one of my players, you know, Gus Yaldin, just signed at Wisconsin. I had him sit in the show and watch you do your thing. When was that last week? Yeah, a couple weeks, Two weeks ago. Maybe. Yeah. It it is it is a financial benefit to know and do those things correctly. Instagram, you see so many people and how they're monetizing that. So our conversation continues. John Lamb with Handel University and Beyond Ball joining me here today. And you know this space incredibly well and getting to know it even better. So mm-hmm. it's ever changing. So it, it's I'm, evolving just, I'm just working harder than everybody else to understand it. it. It's difficult and trying to figure out what exactly this is going to be mm-hmm. going forward. So let's just start at the front right now. And we know obviously the local kids that you have, but this is not just local for you. You work with kids from across the nation. Mm-hmm. You got five-star guys that you've worked with that you know what these conversations are like. So let's start right here in something that I wonder. You're going on your college visit. You're going and taking a campus visit at University X. Well, pro- you need to clarify the University X because there is there is a price tag to every school and every price tag is different. Well, and that's kind of what I want to get to. So you take a visit. And let's let's not put a name to it, but let's say... We need a name, Trent, right uh, now, dang it. I want to put it this way, because a power program, a okay. power program yep. that has a collective in place. That's fair. 
a power program that has a collective in place that has shown that they will give money to kids before they played collegiately. Let's put it that way. And we can say it's Miami. We can say it's Auburn. We can say a program like that, though, that is known right now, that they're giving money to high school athletes before they sign. So you go to take your normal visit. Everything's the same there. You meet the coaches. You see the facilities. You, you do all the standard things that I think most of us know. The old school stuff. Yes. You go through that. Maybe play a pickup game. <laughs> you hit up the bars. You go to a party. You, you do those things. I mean, maybe you did. I'm sure these athletes are fine-tuned machines. <laughs> right. And that, they're that never only happens. drinking protein never, and yeah. creatine. Hey, I, I saw blue chips. I know how this is done. <laughs> That's all well and good. But it comes to now the financial part. And you mentioned earlier Pell Grants. That's something that has been a part of the conversation for a long time, too. And what has also morphed into cost of attendance. Mm -hmm. More money coming in, at least to these athletes, for their cost of attendance. But past that, now we get into the conversation with the collective. First of all, does the coach say, you need to go meet Billy Bob, who runs our collective? Is that something that the coach says? Is it understood beforehand? Is that an assistant? Is that a handler? How do those conversations first start that this player knows in order to be able to talk to the people with the collective, I need to go here? How is that set up? It really depends on the player. I mean, if, if mom and dad are, are there, mom and dad talk to Billy Bob, mm-hmm. if you will. So it, the player is a lot of times even out of these conversations. Um, not always. Uh, the player is the one that pushes the envelope. Mm-hmm. So I, I think about a young man that was at a mid-major. Uh, you know, they go to the NCAA tournament. It's just in our area, you know, four hours away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he decides to go and test the NBA waters, okay. right? The NBA draft waters. His roommate happens to be Nigel Pack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it is a third party until it's the first party and those are the best parties (laughs) the third party that gets the wheels in motion as we're figuring out okay this is what we can do for you financially this is what you're worth man Mm -hmm. um whether it's whether it's for winning games whether it's you know clout you know this this happened before the pay and play i think i think about that filipino star that went to creighton Mm mm-hmm Right, a huge following. The entire country's behind him. He can jump from the free throw line. All that stuff's great. Super, super cool, right? But these kids are worth money. Yes. And and I think the problem is, in some regard, is how much is 20 wins? How much is a second round exit from the NCAA tournament? Okay, I, I just wish there wasn't so much gray area. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're getting into. So the collective is there. They just find out somehow that you're going to go talk to these people. Mom and dad are with you. You're going to go and you're going to have these conversations. Maybe it's an, a handler that's with you. Whatever it is, it can be even an agent at this time. It is an agent. That are having these conversations and with you figuring out, all right, these are the people that we talk mm-hmm. to. So you get to brass tacks. All right, I'm ready to commit to University X. I like everything that they put on the table. I understand, hey, I'm going to have to make five appearances mm-hmm. for this collective. I'm going to have to do this. I got to do a couple of social media things. Still no Raising Cane's commercials. Still, still no real commercials, but that's the route we're going to go. I got it all figured out. 
So that happens. The other side, though, that I really wonder about is with these collectives, is what kind of conversation is happening, at least as far as you know, between who's running the collective and the coaching staff? Because you're always bringing guys in on visits and guys that they're not at the top of your list, right? Right. They are guys that are fallback options for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. These are guys that if we don't get player A, B, and C, we will give an official offer to D. But at least they've seen the campus. They know the coaching staff. They got to know the guys. If it comes to the point where we're going to offer him, he's gone through all of that. Do they have even a conversation with the collective? Does the coach have to say, hey, we're bringing this kid on a visit, but don't offer him anything yet? No, they don't. You know, like I got a, a bag of Cracker Jacks and, and you know, two Mountain Dews <laughs> when I played at that level. And my roommate... Got a little more. Probably got a little more. And and that's okay. I mean, that's the world we're in. I, I do believe that's fair. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing while you're a, a radio personality. You're incredibly good looking. You're good at what you do. <laughs> well, I'd be on TV if I was good looking. Come on, let's be honest. And that's why they keep you behind the mic. That's Trent. right, yeah. No, but I mean, in, in all actuality, the, the facts are you are what you're worth. Mm-hmm. And that that body of work that you've presented to that point is your value. You know, everybody that says they're professional basketball players overseas, they have a resume. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, a a three-star, a four-star, you're in the McDonald's All-American game, that goes on your resume. You go to a higher league when you go over there. You get a different type of agent. What's going on right now is the same thing that's been going on for years, except there's a professional capacity to it when you're playing overseas in Jerusalem or Amsterdam or or wherever it be. What else should people know about this era that we're going into right now? From your perspective, what do people not know about either NIL or the collectives that are happening that probably the general public should know? What can you tell us and, and take us deeper into this world? Am I talking to you in regards to a young man or a young woman going and you know, working towards that goal or a young man or a young woman walking on campus and, and having those decisions to make? I'm thinking more of it from a fan perspective. We're, we're trying to wrap our minds around this and figuring out how, how this is oh, going. That's easy. Shut your mouth and drink your beer, man. Yeah. Cheer your team on. Go Hawks. Go Cyclones. Just go, cheer, go cheer Panthers, the laundry. Go Bulldogs. Yeah. And don't worry about how, don't worry about how the sausage is being made. I've never heard that analogy before. What are you, Polish? Because it's not pretty. I mean, it's grinding up meat and it's not. putting it into casing. It's not a pretty process, but it tastes delicious. Same thing. <laughs> it's not pretty how maybe this is all going down and how the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones are getting their players. And don't the worry about that. And side. the Bulldogs. Yeah, just don't worry about that part. Just worry about, hey, cheer on your team. Yeah, I think there's an, an immense value in being a fan and continuing the you know, since I'm in this studio, the cyclone fanatic mm-hmm. approach, right? Those guys are online. They're, they're, they're pumping up their dudes. And my advice would be put some money in the bank for them. Gotcha. Right. Can you bring them into your small business? Can you help them facilitate a brand? Can you do anything beneficial to show worth to your amazing university that you care so deeply about? That's how you do it as a fan. Yeah, dude. Just yeah. be a fan. You know, like, you can't control it anyways. You couldn't mm-hmm. before, right? Like, 
you know, Craig Brackens ain't coming to Iowa State unless TJ gets a job. If yeah. he don't work for the double pump, like, it, it, it doesn't happen. Like, it's always been this way. It just looks different nowadays. It's a good way to put it. And, it, and I think a really good perspective of it. Yeah, it's changing for us, the fans, the general everyday fans that don't know the inside workings. You know the inside workings. In some cases, I'll never claim to be an expert. I'm telling you, everything's a little bit different. But in my recent dealings with this, with some of my players, it it's pretty much that way, right? And I, I would love to hear some more. Maybe we can take a call, anybody that wants a call in. I, I would love to hear somebody else's viewpoint on this because there is a little mystique and mystery to mm-hmm. this whole deal. That's hey, what I could do to be. That's what gets my nipples hard. This is freaking <laughs> sweet, bro. Yeah. Adapt or get left behind. And I think that's really, really cool. With that, we're going to take a quick timeout. We will talk more basketball coming up here at the 11 o'clock hour. I'm going to get John's perspective on the four in-state schools. Drake last week announced four guys coming back for their final season. Roman Penn. Oh, that is going to be my guy. preseason favorites, no doubt, in the MVC. I think next season with the Drake Bulldogs, they're going to be good. What's happening with you and I? How is Ben Jacobson adapting in this changing world? Noah Carter already at Missouri. What's happening with A.J. Green? Speaking of A.J. Green, again, the mm. connection with Iowa State. What's happened with the Cyclones is they got a scholarship open. We'll get some thoughts on some of those transfer players that John knows. We'll get into that. And the Hawkeyes, without Chris Murray, if it turns out that way, how much trouble are the Hawks in? We'll get into that to kick off the 11 o'clock hour, then talk some NBA with Kyle Irving. Coming up next, we're talking horse racing. Get ready with the Preakness. Get out your app. Get ready to bet it. Dick Girardi, he's going to help us out. When we come back, it's Miller and Condon. John Lamb in for Ken Miller. I'm Trent Condon. We're back with Mitt. Your place. National Football League in 19. Welcome back. Miller and Condon continues here on a Thursday. Trent Condon, John Lamb with you. Time to talk about the Preakness Stakes. Try to win a little money for you. We'll try to help you out right now. And... Well, as it comes to the Triple Crown, we love to talk to Dick Girardi, a longtime horse racing writer, knows this sport incredibly well, and the Kentucky Derby has come and gone. Normally, we're getting ready for the second leg of the Triple Crown, but there will be no Triple Crown winner, and that's certainly at the top of the list. Dick joins us here today. Dick, uh, thanks for joining us again a couple weeks ago, right before the Derby, here before the Preakness. How's everything with you? Everything's good. I'm actually on my way to Baltimore as we speak, and it's my favorite of the Triple Crown races because I'm going home. Oh, well, that's, that's a great thing, no doubt about it. What else about this one? We know the Kentucky Derby. I think any casual sports fan knows about the Kentucky Derby, the pomp and circumstance, the, the hats that everybody, all the ladies are wearing, the pastel suits, everything else that goes along with it. There's a lot there. What makes the Preakness, outside of being home, special to you? So, yeah, it's, it's like the Derby, but not nearly as big a party. The infield is gigantic at Pimlico and Preakness Day, similar to the Derby. What they don't have is the facilities that they have at Churchill Downs, and they don't have the Derby. It's a one-off. It's a unique event in Kentucky. There's nothing like it in sports. But the Preakness has a couple things going for it that typically, now not this year, typically it's the first time we see the Derby winner, so that's important. And just the whole scene, the whole city of Baltimore gets behind the race. <laughs> Excuse me. And it's just been for years, it's been, I think, a source of pride in the city that they have one of racing triple crown in Baltimore. 
look, the Derby again, Louisville's not a huge city, but the Derby makes it. And in Belmont's in New York City, but in Baltimore, they love their greatness. The decision by the ownership group of Rich Strike, too, after that immaculate win, the great run, the beautiful overhead shot that we saw from NBC, after all the buildup that we had after that, and as good of a buzz as horse racing has had in a while, A, how surprising was it that you see Rich Strike not going here? And secondly, how big of an impact do you think that'll make to the sport? Here, the Preakness not having Rich Strike there. I, I, look, I was surprised uh, because the Derby winner runs in the Preakness. That's just what happens. Uh, if the last time a uh, horse finished first or an official Derby winner didn't run in the Preakness, not because of injury, it fell all the way back to 1985. So I was surprised. Um, I, I understand what they're talking about. They're saying, look, the horse is not going to be ready in two weeks. I suspect they saw something in his training after the Derby uh, that they said, hey, this is not going to be the same horse. So it's fine for the horse, but it's bad for the game. Uh, it, it, it does have an impact. You know, that's The freakness is your first shot to see the Derby winner. There's no way NBC is pleased because mm-hmm. they had this great human interest story of this horse that nobody had ever heard of that got in the race at the last minute. The unknown jockey arrives in, in the backwoods of Ohio. Trainer who's got a small stable, runs mostly claiming races. Owner of city's number even one cent races in his life. And that's the kind of story everybody can get behind. And now all of a sudden that's not, that story's not there. So, yeah, that's a problem. It's unfortunate, but, you know, what are you going to do? A lot of the uh, people pointing at what has changed in horse racing compared to years ago where two weeks off between races, that wasn't a big deal. In today's day and age, it is a monster deal. Horses don't run nearly as often as they once did when you go back you know, 40, 50 years ago. The decision and maybe the opportunity going forward of, of putting an extra week, an extra week of opportunity for these horses to get ready for the Preakness. How much momentum is that to to go from two weeks in between the Derby and the Preakness and, and maybe make it three? Yeah, it's been discussed. Uh, the problem is it just never happened. It just got to the discussion stage. You're right. The whole sport has changed. It's very unusual to run your top horses back in two weeks anymore. To win, there's only three horses out of the 20 that ran in the Derby that are running in the Preakness. People just don't like to do that. But this has been the tradition that's been like this for, basically the schedule's been like this for a half a century. So the odds on it changing are not high. <clears throat> but I wish they would have a serious talk about it because when the Preakness is only getting three horses out of the Derby, something is amiss. And you can kind of deal with it if it's not the Derby winner. But when the Derby winner doesn't become because of the timing, that's even a more significant problem. So... I hope this will at least lead to some more discussions about is there a better way to do this series. Dick Girardi joining us as we get ready for the Preakness. Dick, I want to uh, hop into the actual race here. A nine-horse field, completely different than what we saw two weeks ago with the Derby and the 20-horse field. Epicenter, he's the betting favorite, but how different it is handicapping this race for you, the 20-horse field in comparison to what we'll see this week in the nine-horse field? Yeah, it is different because there's less... um, that you have to be concerned about. There's going to, this is going to be more predictable on where the horses will be, where it will affect them. When you're dealing with 20, the start is so critical, it can literally change months of preparation in a, in a second. But the one thing that hasn't changed is the fundamentals. 
Epicenter went off at four to one in, in the Derby and ran a winning race. Just got run down by the the shocking rich strike. Now Epicenter, even money, bet a dollar, win a dollar. That's on uh, Bet Online's early odds at this point. And so you can lock that in, get on the website BetOnline.ag, or you can wait for the Derby the day of the Preakness and see if you can get a better price. But I think that's probably about what the price on Epicenter is going to be. I think they have it exactly right on the website. With that also, uh, you have before it the Black Eye Susan Stakes, and we talked about, of course, the Kentucky Oaks a couple weeks ago when we had you on. Anything there jumping off, any handicap that you like uh, as we look at the other big race with the Preakness? Yeah, I, I like Luna Bell a little bit. She's the local horse. Um, she's listed at 5-1 to one right now on the, in the, uh, on the bet online uh, odds at the moment. And, and you can always bet an Oaks Derby double, so like mm-hmm. Luna Bell at the epicenter, that's like a 6-8, or a Black Eyed Susan Freakness uh, double, excuse me, still thinking I'm back in Kentucky. <laughs> There's so many different ways to bet this thing. I mean, all the prop bets are so cool. How about this one? Epicenter to finish in the top three. I mean, how's he not going to finish in the top three? But to bet that, uh, it's, it's a cost of premium. You bet $5 to win a dollar on, uh, on bet online for that prop, but I know people love props, the head-to-head props. There's actually a will, he, will the horse finish last prop. Got, <laughs> gotta love that. And I, I nominate Fenwick at three to finish last. He's about three to one right now on the site. Oh, good stuff. Dick Girardi joining us from betonline.ag. Dick, always enjoy our conversations, getting ready for the big races. Appreciate your time and enjoy going back home. You got it. Thanks so much. That's Dick Girardi joining us here as we get ready for the Preakness. We'll come back on the other side. Get ready for some more basketball. We're going to talk about the big four. John Lamb jumps back in. We will talk about the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones, the Panthers, and the Bulldogs. Get a breakdown of what they're looking like. The importance of completing those rosters. One scholarship still open for Iowa State. Is it A.J. Green? We'll talk about that. The Hawkeyes. How important is Chris Murray to the 2022-23 Hawkeyes? That and a whole lot more. An hour to go. Miller and Connor continues on 106.3.